You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, happy Saturday, and welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. After a busy start to free agency for the Kansas City Chiefs, this week was a lot quieter as we saw multiple Kansas City Chiefs sign in other places. This week on the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast, we'll start things off with beach season. They discuss the Chiefs' free agent fits, as well as their wide receiver issues and what they need to find at that position now that wide receiver McCole Hardman and Juju Smith-Schuster have new homes. After that, we'll catch up with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show. They broke down all of the Chiefs that are leaving, all of the Chiefs that are coming to Kansas City, and all of the Chiefs that are staying in Kansas City. After that, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll wrap things up with the AP Draft Room discussing the Chiefs' highest priority needs ahead of the NFL Draft. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. I think that they want to get a dynamic playmaking guy on the outside, like a true number one type of wide receiver. But I think that they're also comfortable with, you know, expanding Sky Moore's role. Um, even him himself, if Sky Moore has his own. Uh, YouTube documentary series. Um, and in it, he said that he didn't know the playbook until week eight. Like it took him till week eight to get the playbook down. And so a lot of the, the lack of utilization you saw early on by from his own mouth was because he was still trying to get the playbook down. So next year, that shouldn't be an issue, but we're moving through these next two pretty quickly. Juan Thornhill, Michael Burton, Andy Reed loves a fullback. Uh, Juan Thornhill was never really quite the same after his ACL injury. Um, in my opinion, price, what, what's, your, what's your thoughts, feelings on uh, on Thornhill and Burton no longer being Chiefs? Yeah, well, I mean, Mike Burton can you know he can take a hike. He went to the Broncos, right? Like, he, what a what a clear legacy he had the the sausage and then the bratwurst, and and he he let it he let it all go to be a Denver Bronco. Tragic. I don't know. We'll see if they choose. They've they've carried a fullback for way too long. Feels like every year you oh is this the year they just stop using it? We'll see. Who knows there? Um, you know, Juan Thornhill was a little interesting. I think I think players like Juan Thornhill right now may not have a huge place left in the NFL. Um, Nick Christensen was kind of turning me on to this for AP as well, that kind of the traditional free safety deep center fielder thing is just something that's not really really prevalent in the NFL right now because of how much too high teams are playing. You don't just have a guy who can't stop the run. You really need two guys who can come in and stuff the run and then also have the speed to go play deep or to cover the tight end or running back out of the backfield. Um, so those aren't one Thornhill's strengths. His time in Kansas City was a little rocky. Obviously, no pun intended, they're rocky. Um, but the the issues with the ACL, and then there was that time that he just got flat-out benched for Dan Sorensen, despite all of us screaming for Juan Thornhill. I don't know. I, I, I think, I'm again, glad he went and got his money. I don't necessarily think that it was something that the Chiefs had to bring back. 
And I think this says good things about Brian Cook. That's that's one thing that I'm optimistic here. I think that they feel very good about where they are with Brian Cook, especially looking at the other moves that they made later this week. Kind of points to it like, hey, Brian Cook is taking starter-level snaps on this team next year. Yeah, yeah. No, I think so. I think Brian Cook, especially if you want to talk about a guy who can come down and play the run, uh, Brian Cook, his his whole MO is that he's a bit of a thumper. Um, he can He can play. Um, in the box, but they really like Justin Reed in the box too. I mean, they both they have guys that can kind of interchange with the, you know, be up play on the line of scrimmage or drop back and, and play deep. Brian Cook's got a nose for the ball. I like him a lot. Uh, Brian, what do we? Uh, what do? You, what are your thoughts on Thornhill and Burton? You got a hurting over losing Burton? I actually, I connected it pretty quick. You know, Burton spent time at the beginning of his career in new Orleans with Sean Payton. And I believe that that was probably a strong connection that as soon as Payton gave him a call, gave him a, a better offer than Kansas city was ever going to. And it was over good for him. Um, we'll see if they get a fullback. I don't think they'll do it unless they find someone they trust to play special teams full time on Juan Thornhill. I think if Spagnolo, if we could, call up Steve right now and get him on the show. He would tell us that this safety group they're building is the most versatile maybe he's had since coming to Kansas city. And that's saying a lot because, you know, Matthew was here, but the thing is Tyron Matthew, he was the instinct instinctive ball Hawk. And I'm not saying any of the guys on the roster currently are, but Justin Reed, Brian cook now Mike Edwards, they can all do a little bit of everything and they can be trusted to run the alley. We heard you guys talking about the two high safeties. I mean, you need safeties. If you're going to play that shell who can come down into that alley and tackle and not be afraid and not fail. And they have that now. And they also have guys who can match up with tight ends. No, none of those players I wouldn't say are, are tiring in terms of, they're going to jump a route unexpectedly and, and grab a pick, but they're just a little more safe and they're a little more sound. And I'm excited to watch how that plays out. Good for Juan. He got a nice little deal, but I'm personally very happy about this. I think Brian Cook deserves his shot. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Brian Stewart said that Juan Horth Thornhill played scared. Uh, in the run game. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not going to put that on you. He didn't actually say that. I'm inferring. I'm inferring and reading between the lines. Okay, so we're going to play. So, so we're going to switch up a little bit here, and we're going to move on to Chiefs free agent signings and the new the new players that the Chiefs have signed. Okay, so Brian, Juwan Taylor, tell me what you like about him. Tell me what you don't like about him, and tell me if he's an upgrade over what they lost. He is an upgrade over what they lost, and that is right tackle or left tackle. It comes down to scheme fit, guys. This is a player who, no, he's not what I would call a good run blocker. I, I don't even know if he's average, but his feet are next level. His feet and the quickness that they possess is what got him paid $80 million, 60 guaranteed, to come play in Kansas City quite the opposite of what they had with Orlando Brown. And for some teams, you'd rather have Orlando, but for the Chiefs and what they do, Jawan is the better option. And now Andy Reid has somebody who, whether he's left tackle or right tackle, he can say, Jawan, I need you to block this one guy, whoever it is, for basically the entire game. And 
they can trust him to do a good job. Not saying he's going to shut that person out, but we saw last year, I mean, I've saw the number floating around. I don't know if it's PFF or if it's beyond that, but 16 pressures in 17 games, that is incredible for an offensive tackle who played in an offense with a good quarterback who, who threw the ball quite a bit. So um, I'm pumped about this. I don't know where he ends up. I don't know if he's left tackle or right tackle. Don't really care because even if he ends up on the right side, like he's going to face Max Crosby, Joey Bosa, so on and so forth. And that's worth $20 million a year if he can handle the job like he he did last year. I I, I mean, I think 100%. I've seen him, some of his off-season workouts that he's been posting on social media also. he He's clearly a, a much better athlete than Orlando Brown, you know, ever could be or ever will be. Uh, Price, what about you? Are you a Joanna man? Yes, I'm a. I was so on board once I saw he caught a 400 pound fish. Jesus, never swimming in the ocean again after seeing that monster. Um, I look this. This has this had Brett Veach written all over it. Um, I would like to take my small victory lap and say last week on this podcast, I said Juwan Taylor made a lot of sense for the Chiefs. So I will collect my receipts here. But the thing about Juwan Taylor is too is there is a clear path to continued as- ascension with him, whether he's on the right side or the left side. He got coached by a terrible coach, you know, two years ago. And then this year, his career really took off with Doug Peterson. He's going to get to take another step here in Kansas City with a great offensive line coach, great scheme. And yeah, I I, I tend to agree with Brian. I think I would probably prefer him to stay on the right side because that's where we know he's good, right? Right now, I look at it, if you're a Chiefs fan, I think, yes, we think that the ceiling is higher for Juwan Taylor and he does things better that we like, a.k.a. pass protection. But I think at this point you're looking at it like a, uh, a swap for a swap. You moved, you're moved. you moving one player from right tackle to left tackle. Orlando Brown played left tackle for two years for the Chiefs. I would say you probably have, in your mind, Orlando Brown-level play at left tackle right now until proven otherwise, which guess what? If you did that and you didn't get tied up in a player that was unathletic and all the things that Orlando Brown was, I, I still consider that a win. Now the Chiefs still have to solve the right side. But the thing that they gained here the most, I think, is not being talked about enough. They gained the flexibility of Jawan Taylor being willing to play right tackle. He said in his interview where he would go to the right side if he needed to. The Chiefs did not have that before. This gives the Chiefs the opportunity to put their best five on the field. If it's Anton Harrison at pick 31, a guy who's played left tackle most of his career, great. Jawan Taylor will go over there and not get, you know, not wag his foxtail in anger. Um, you know, he won't stop his Ugg boots on the way over there. I'm sorry, I'll stop. I'll stop with the fashion statements. But seriously, he won't. He won't. He won't take off his fake glasses and <laughs> anger and stare at you. Look, man, I'm just saying, Jawan Taylor. Like, there's a picture of him like shirtless, and he's got abs. Okay, like this man, he's, he's, he's different, right? So I, it makes all the sense in the world. If, Orla- if Orlando Brown resigned for the same, like someone put this in perspective and they're exactly right. If Orlando Brown resigned in Kansas City for the same deal that the, he signed with the Bengals, we would all be pounding our chest right now and being like, hey, look, look at this great deal that Brett Veach did. A left tackle in the Super Bowl that gave up zero sacks in the postseason. So Again, I don't think that there was a real winner or a loser here. I I think the only thing is that the Chiefs gain that flexibility, and that matters. And then there's a a higher ceiling with Juwan Taylor. 100%. I think he's an ascending player. Um, He's, you know, he's he's got the length, the size. He's got everything that Brett Veach and Andy Reid look for. 
um, and an offensive tackle. I think that time will tell if he can, if he can make the switch. But I think, like you said, the thing that Veach wants to wants to be able to do is go in with no holes and be able to draft best available. So if he can t- draft a right tackle, then Juwan Taylor is going to play left tackle. If he sees a left tackle on the board he likes, then Juwan Taylor is going to play right tackle. You know, and I think that that is great flexibility to have, like you mentioned. We're going to move on to uh, the Chiefs' uh, other kind of big name signing that they had around the same time as Jawan Taylor, Charles Amenihu, uh, the edge rusher who was formerly uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, you know, he's been a rotational guy for them, but from what I've seen of him on tape, he seems to be a guy who takes great, great lines to the quarterback, kind of plays relentless, uh, got the size that you want, got the athleticism that you're looking for. Um, Brian, what are the Chiefs getting um, in him? I think – they're getting their starting edge opposite of George Karloftis. And I know that some people would say, well, you could get better there. Maybe you can. I'm not sure. But that's what I think that he's going to be. And also, we know he has the ability to line up anywhere along the defensive line in a pass rush situation. So if it's third and nine, third and whatever, he can line up over the guard, the tackle, the center, and be an impactful player. And when you have another guy in Chris Jones who's capable of that, and you have another guy in Mike Dana who's capable of that, and Karloff this to a degree, you start to see the vision. It, it kind of reminds me of, to a lesser extent, what Spagnolo had back in his Giants days. He had all those, those defensive linemen back in 2007 who – were technically defensive ends, but they could line up anywhere and be effective. I think that's what he's trying to build here. We'll see if the results are as good as the idea, but make no mistake, they need to add. They need probably two more 53-man roster um, defensive linemen to be signed to this team. But it's a great start in a situation when they lost Frank Clark, so... You, you got to get somebody, and I think Aminahue at this point in their career is a definite upgrade over the Shark. Oh, I think he is too. I think that he has more juice at this point. You know, obviously the Shark has struggled with keeping weight on and with health and that sort of things. So I think you made an excellent point that Brett Veach seems to be targeting guys that have either outside, inside uh, versatility or inside outside versatility. We saw George Karloftis line up on the inside. We saw Chris Jones line up on the outside. We're going to see the same thing out of, out of a Manihu. I got to get used to saying that last name. Cause I'm going to butcher it every single time. Um, and I think you saw the same thing with Mike Dana. You saw Turk Wharton even line up on the outside. Sometimes, you know, they really want those guys that give them the situation that they can, that they can line them up anywhere on the line. Um, Price, what about you, buddy? What's your feelings on this? Why do you like it? Why do you not like it? Hit me with it. Well, similarly to Juwan Taylor, they're buying the flexibility here. I'm not necessarily sure that Amena who's going to be able to line up on the edge and beat Rashawn Slater in a third and long passing situation with just speed. He does pass rush with a plan. Uh, shout out to former Arrowhead Pride, Seth Kaiser. He talks a lot about pass rushing with a plan and watching players come off the ball and seeing what what are they doing are they setting up players for later in the game how are they using their hands etc he does that more than like Carl Loftus right now is kind of just straight bull rush and then hustle and effort a minute who's got a little bit more development there however I'm not sure he's athletic enough that he can just win straight up off the edge like I said against a good left tackle and a clear passing down situation but 
you now have two players that can both kick out on the edge and the interior with Mike Dana. They've also done that with Carl Loftus. They've also done that with Chris Jones. What I'm hoping is, seeing the Chiefs sniff around a little bit, I believe that they sent Joe Cullen to Georgia's Pro Day. I would love for them to consider the idea of like, hey, we've got plenty of big guys here. Let's go get someone who's totally out of our out of our norm here. Let's sniff around Nolan Smith. Let's go sniff around B.J. Ojolari, a guy who's got the bend and the speed and give us something totally different on, on the pass rush side. And I think maybe, you know, picking up some breadcrumbs here, maybe Drew Tranquil is part of that as well too. Like he's a pretty prolific blitzer. We know that they have uh, Leo Chanel who can do, do similar-ish things. I would really like to see them start to utilize some speed off that edge a little bit more. So, I, I you know, the, yeah, this has spags written all over it. The money seems to be fine. I hope that they're confident about his off-the-field situation. Um, it doesn't seem to be something that they're incredibly worried about, so hopefully that's good. Um, but, yeah, I, I I like this deal. And, again, look at the age, look at the ascension, look at the coaching. All these things add up, right? Was on a bad team, Houston, then went to the 49ers, the defensive line factory, and now the trajectory is there. So, again, Brett Veach's fingerprints all over this. I think 100%. I agree with you on pretty much every single point. The off-field thing, it's we don't, I don't I don't have the details on it. We don't have the details on it. Um obviously it's a serious situation, but you know, that's why we have a court system. That's why the the front the the league office has, you know, has protocols and they and they handle these situations. And so I think the Chiefs usually do their homework on these sort of things. They know what they're getting themselves into. Um speaking of Drew Tranquil, and Leo Chanel. Um, I could see Leo Chanel transitioning to more of a of a pass rusher for the Chiefs, a guy who kind of goes north south and goes after the the quarterback. Um, maybe they do like a three down lineman and then one standing edge rusher, something like that. Um, but Brian, who is Drew Tranquil for the for, for Chiefs fans out there who don't know who he is? What type of player is he and what are they getting with him? I was shocked, quite frankly, when he signed. And it's because, yeah, you look at the linebacker room and it felt like it was as stacked as just about any other position on the team. There's not a clear, like, oh, hole, you know. Yeah, the dime linebacker is where I would say Drew fits in. He's a pass coverage first guy who offers amazing blitz capability. So, like, when Spagnolo wants to put six defensive backs on the field and have that one linebacker out there and tranquil because it's third and eight, he can cover with the best of them, and he can also blitz with the best of them as far as a linebacker goes. So I assume that that's the plan, but I just think time's going to have to go by here for us to really see the whole picture because I'm I'm asking myself, why would, why would Drew Tranquil, coming off of a career year, sign a, a deal for a team where he's – it doesn't seem like he's going to play like starting snaps. It seems like he's going to be a supplemental role, special teams. That doesn't really add up to me, and that's why originally I started to worry, like, are they about to trade Willie Gay or what? what's going on here? And we'll see. But if they don't trade Willie Gay, they have the answer to every team they face, right? You, you mentioned Chennault. I think Chennault is great for teams like, the Eagles in the Super Bowl, where you know you need to stop the run. Like he can come in and set a tone, and he sure did. But then when you play the Bengals, a team who's destroyed them over the middle of the field, Drew Tranquil is a, a chess piece who can help them mitigate those problems that have popped up in the past. 
where the linebackers have been exposed a little bit for being out of position. So I think that linebacker room is as good as any in the NFL. Like, no lie. I, I really feel that way. And we'll see if they hold it together. But as it stands, that's where I'm at. I, I think I agree with you 100%. I think it, it is a little perilous for Willie Gay of all the players who's, who's kind of like skill sets, you know, the way they line up. Um, that he, I don't want to say the odd man out because I think the Chiefs really like him. Um, just to kind of see what they're going to do with him in general price. What's your, what's your feelings on, on Drew Tranquil, Willie Gay and how, how the Chiefs are going to manage those snaps. Yeah. It's a little, uh, Brian Windhorse meme, right? Like, why would they do that? Why would they do that? Um, I, here's the thing. Willie Gay just doesn't really, it does. It does, he doesn't have a clear defined role anymore. Drew Tranquil does that better than what Willie Gay does. And I mean, I I'm actually very pleased with the chiefs being willing to admit like, Hey, this is a Brett Veach guy. All these linebackers are Brett Veach guys. He could have easily gotten territorial and said, hey, no, we're not adding to my linebacker room. I've built this from the ground up, and look, it just helped win a Super Bowl. But, yeah, Willie Gay, his athleticism, it, it pops from time to time. But more often than not, he leaves room to be desired in pass coverage. And then Nick Bolton is smart enough and intelligent enough and reads you know, the ball downhill well enough to stay on the field for all three downs. You can't have Willie Gay do that. And then Leo Chanel is the hammer, right? Like, they're, they're all tools. You've got, like, Leo Chanel's the hammer. You've got Nick Bolton, who's, like, the crescent wrench, right? Like, just old, dependable, reliable. And then, like, Willie Gay is now become an obsolete tool because Drew Tranquil does what he does better. So, yeah, it's very interesting. I don't think, you know, I've, I've read the tea leaves and seen people say, oh, you know, Willie Gay to – the Cardinals for DeAndre Hopkins and some picks. It's like, hey, they don't need another undersized linebacker. They've they've drafted two of those here recently. They don't need another one of those guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- they needed the ability to walk away from Milligan anyways because they're not. They should not be in the business of p- paying a part time off ball linebacker, right? So overall, I think I-, I think it's a great move, especially whenever you realize like. For some reason, I had in my head that Drew Tranquil was some old dude. No, this is his first deal after his like rookie contract. And reading the reaction of people who know the NFL football just being like, gosh, Brett Veach does it again. All the confidence in the world that this was a great signing. So I really like it. And by all accord, by the way, seems to be a great like club, like locker room guy as well. Just like watching some of the videos of him and stuff just seems to be a really fun personality. So Chief Stephens got better. Feeding the beast and, and getting you guys some information about how the Chiefs are attacking this offseason. we got shows throughout the week, and so we will keep it rolling today, John, and we start with the goings. Usually you would say comings and goings, but I, I think it's, it's more relevant to start with the goings today. Orlando Brown Jr. leaving the Chiefs for, you got to say this, right? It's their biggest rival right now. I don't really consider the Chargers a rival right now. The Raiders, of course, are a rival, but they got to be a little bit better. The Broncos were miserable last year. So <laughs> go to the Cincinnati Bengals of all teams. It, it does feel like an interesting storyline headed into what will be 2023. Yeah, I, but I'm just not. I, I mean, it's it's interesting. But uh, and I, I think it's fair to say that they probably made a step forward because their offensive line was not very good. And for all that we have to say about Orlando Brown, which is which is viable and and well earned, he's probably a step forward um, as their left tackle in 2023. So, 
you know, it's a situation that's probably played well, played out well for both sides, for both teams um, this offseason. I think the Chiefs have made a step forward, but we'll get to that in a second. But but I, I, yeah. I don't see this as being a thing that's 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 going to make a big difference in the rivalry, rivalry between these teams either. I. I know what you're saying when it comes to maybe the impact on, on the team. I think it does make their line slightly better, but I mm-hmm. can guarantee you that, I mean, this adds to the storyline between the, the Bengals oh, and, yeah. and, and the chiefs. I mean, this is going to be a matchup when these two teams get together again, one day down the road where people are going to be eyeing, how does Orlando Brown jr. Doing. And I, I think obviously there'll be some chatter there. I, I think the key part of what, it adds to the storyline and the WWE part of this is <laughs> this Mike Garofolo tweet that I want to go back to from March 15th uh, at 9.22 p.m. This is a deal for Brown to play left tackle. We knew about the left tackle obsession here in Kansas City. And then Gar- Garofolo continued. He was adamant he wanted to stay there. Bengals will allow him to do that and play with a contender that could face the Chiefs in the postseason. So this was very intentional that he wanted to possibly play Kansas City in a big time game but in a way I I just question it because I I know this is an expression John but it's like dude you played yourself you had more money on the table more Mm -hmm. security it's one of those cases where you bet on yourself and you ended up having the money dry up on you and you Mm -hmm. had to take a deal that look what is it 31 million dollars in the first two years that's pretty good, I, I think, as a consolation prize. But I got to imagine, John, if, if Brown could go back in time, he would have taken that deal that the Chiefs offered him last offseason. You would think so. I mean, if what he really wanted was security, you'd think he'd want the longer contract. Um, and uh, But, I, you know, I think this is a lesson for him to learn. And there was no other way for him to learn it than to actually go out there and put himself out on the market and see what happened as a result. And I think that that's why the chiefs didn't tender him. I've, I've said something similar right here on this podcast before. I think the chiefs, you know, knew that they believed that he wasn't worth what he was asking. And there was just one way for him to know that because he wasn't listening to them, you know, and, and that was to go out there and, and find out for himself. And guess what he did. And, uh, you know, wish him the best. He, he, I think he busted his butt in Kansas city. Um, he just wasn't the guy that the chiefs needed, at least not at the price he, he wanted to be paid. So. Yeah. And like, I guess if you're going to go anywhere, you, you take the chiefs Bengals rivalry and budding rivalry out of it. You go to a top five quarterback in the NFL. It's a team mm-hmm. that's on the rise. Sure. They're going to be a mm-hmm. contender and, you try again in free agency. It looks like he'll have an opportunity to re-enter free agency in about two, three years here. It's, it's unlikely he plays out the rest of that contract because of, of, how, of the way the numbers are involved. But, yeah, I, I think he made a mistake. I, I think he liked it here in Kansas City. He had found a home. The Chiefs were willing to pay maybe even a little bit more than he mm-hmm. was worth, as we found mm-hmm. out in the open market. And kudos to Brett Feach for giving a smile and saying, Hey, go test it young man and being right about mm-hmm. it. Right. So yeah. maybe it helps those type of situations in the future. A side story on this Ian Rappaport this morning said the Bengals have had trade conversation centered around left tackle Jonah Williams as the interest heats up in a player who has 47 career starts. Williams requested a trade following the signing of Brown. And since he has heard from several possible suitors, well, 
Mr. Williams, if you want to play right tackle, why don't you come over to Kansas City? We have Jawan Taylor moving <laughs> over to the left, right? Let's keep this thing going when it comes that's, to uh, – yeah, That's occurred to me that the Chiefs might end up uh, going after him uh, as a trade candidate to put him at right tackle. That's occurred to me. And what a, what a story that would be for this rivalry. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I think the way it stands now is you're going to have Jawan Taylor at left tackle, at least to start, unless there is something that happens – prior to training camp which could be a trade a signing etc i mean i don't mm-hmm. anticipate another yeah. type of trade mm-hmm. for a tackle and then they'll try different combinations see what's working if they go and trade up and, and get a left tackle in the nfl draft like in in the first round maybe they try him at left and one day at training camp maybe taylor's at right one thing that we see at training camp that maybe we're forgetting right now john is like especially at the beginning how many times do you see the tweets as you're from the you're working from the Arrowhead Pride Command Center, and I'm like, this person's at left tackle today. This person's working at right guard. They try a lot of different combinations, and mm-hmm. I, I think maybe we're going to go into camp saying, oh, Taylor is the no-doubt left tackle, regardless of you know, who the personnel is, and then maybe we go up on a Monday and he's playing left, and then maybe we go up on another day and there's a different combination and he's at right, and the Chiefs are just in that process of figuring out, like, okay, what looks – the best here I, I think there's right. a lot of possibility mm-hmm. going into camp ultimately as it stands now I think the battle is going to be at right tackle between a couple veterans and, and maybe a rookie that you, that you get in the later later rounds I agree and, and I, I think that um, the Chiefs are in better shape at tackle than people are probably willing to admit uh, Niang is a question mark for a lot of fans but the Chiefs liked him enough to start him uh, right. Before he went through this this string of injuries that he's had the last couple of seasons, so I think he's got a pretty strong case to be the the right tackle uh, coming into this season, and I I don't think we should count out Prince Tegawanogo. I really don't. They they the team has hung on to him uh, for a couple of years, and he actually played in a lot of games last year which is more than you can say for Darian Kennard, for example. <laughs> this so, is uh, a, I, I, I think you're right. This is a key offseason for both Niang and Prince Teguanogo. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I even emphasizing the Niang point, you got to come to training camp strong and ready. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a golden yeah. opportunity situation. The Chiefs could draft, let's say they stay at 31, and then they end up taking best player available, and that is an offensive lineman. They are likely to take an offensive lineman in one of those day two picks mm-hmm. in this scenario. And that player may have an opportunity to battle for it. But that is, you know, if you're taking a player on day two, it's a let's see what you got. It's not a we're going to stamp right. you in and be a day mm-hmm. one starter. So that opens up a door for a golden opportunity for Niang. So he, he's healthy now. He was on the roster, right? He saw a handful mm-hmm. of snaps here and there. Now you come into camp, you're fully healthy, you're stronger team has liked you before maybe it's finally that year where lucas niang is able to break through and then you have some of these other guys that are that are depth but we have talked about offensive line enough we're already into the 12th minute of the podcast and we need to move on <laughs> to something more exciting like wide receivers and juju smith schuster this was a little bit surprising to me going to the new, new england patriots on a three-year deal i know the team wanted him back i know that they were optimistic about the idea of him maybe finding a way back to kansas city but I just think Juju Smith-Schuster, though he liked Kansas City, though he liked playing with Patrick Mahomes, turned to himself, turned to his family, likely talked to his agent and said to to the agent, I got my ring. Let's go get that bag. And 
probably yeah. got the best offer from New England. The Chiefs weren't willing to to match or pay more, and off he goes. And I I think he was a good fit in Kansas City. I, I think Kansas City liked him, but they saw last year that we can lose a top two receiver and win the Super Bowl. We can lose a top 20 receiver and figure out a way. So that, that's where I think they landed. Yeah, I agree. And and I it's always this is one of those deals where in retrospect it all seems obvious. But the Patriots were looking at every wide receiver on the market. I mean, every day, you know, like every hour, there was a new tweet from somewhere saying the Patriots are talking to such and such and they're looking at such and such player. And they were all wide receivers. It was clear that they wanted to get a good one. And so what a surprise that Miss Schuster gets a good contract offer from the Patriots. Uh, that is more than the Chiefs were probably willing to pay. And so, again, thank you for your service, sir. You know, we appreciate what you did for us here in Kansas City. Enjoy that money that you're going to get from New England. Juju's one of those players where it's going to be an answer to a trivia question 20 years from now. Like, who <laughs> who had the most receiving yards for the Chiefs in their, their second Super Bowl win in that era? You're going to be like, who was the player? Because he's only, he was only there one year. What was his I, name? Jojo something? Yeah. So I wonder about this. Andy Reid is famously a player's coach and really leans into the idea of you can be whatever you want off the field. I'm sure he doesn't mm-hmm. love TikToks. I'm sure he doesn't love skits. Uh, but look, if that is what makes the player happy, that's what he enjoys coming to work uh, and, and doing, you know, in his free time. I think Andy Reid's OK. He jokes about it. We saw the clip of him making fun of Smith Schuster about how he moves faster in his TikTok dances. <laughs> That's the <laughs> hidden humor of Andy Reid that you get in some of those mic'd up. But I don't think Bill Belichick is exactly a let your personality show guy. No, and I, I, no. I do wonder about the fit. And then I also wonder, and this is just reality, it's like you're going from a Ferrari, as Lewis Riddick likes to say, to a, a beat-up Prius in Mac Jones. <laughs> and... I just don't know if he's going to enjoy his time there. I mean, I <laughs> could see it going awry. I, who knows if he even plays out that contract, right? Like maybe there's a mutual partner. I just don't see the culture fit. And maybe I'm crazy there, but I, I do think that that is going to be something that comes up in this relationship between Bill, who is a, a curmudgeon, and Juju, who's <laughs> full of positive energy in life. <laughs> Well, I I would just say that we shouldn't be too quick to discount this because I could see how uh, a receiver like Smith Schuster could be very valuable in the New England offense. I completely agree that on a personality level, this looks like a disaster waiting to happen uh, because you you put it exactly right. He's a he's a player with with life and vigor and and all of those things, and he may not fit very well into that culture. But on the field, he could actually make a difference in that New England offense, even catching passes from Mac Jones. And here's the deal, though. TikTok dances are fine when you're on a 14-3 and three team. When your team is 8-9, and, nine, <laughs> yeah. and you go out in the week in Boston, and you're doing a TikTok dance, I don't know about how those fans are going to necessarily react, but... Good luck to Juju anyway. I think the Patriots are in the slow incline, but just a huge question mark of whether or not Mac Jones is a capable quarterback. And, John, that is the worst question to have when you're an NFL team. So I, it, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I wish I wish Juju would have found a way to stay in Kansas City. Uh, but you, you do hope, I think, from afar, when the Pats are not playing the Chiefs, that it works out for him. 
personally. Let's move on to Juan Thornhill. Uh, speaking a guy, uh, speaking about a guy who surprised me a little bit, Juan chooses Cleveland, and not that I necessarily expected Juan to want to stay in Kansas City. I did think he was going to get paid. I thought it was very intentional by the Chiefs to select Brian Cook in the second round and find a way to to pay less when they knew that Juan Thornhill, two-time Super Bowl champ, who really came back into his own last year, was going to get paid. But this is a a man that I thought enjoyed his time in Kansas City. And he is awfully excited to be heading to Cleveland, Ohio. And I I think he's juiced up. He's someone that, that has a, a chip on his shoulder. And I think that for the Chiefs, they valued Thornhill, but it just was never a case where they were going to pay anything close to what he got in Cleveland. Well, and I think it's pretty easy to see how he would feel the way he feels. You know, um, he when he came back from injury, the Chiefs rather famously decided to put Daniel Sorensen on the field instead of Thornhill, who had looked spectacular as a rookie before his injury at the end of that season. And um, and then, you know, to bring in Brian Cook, you know, clearly the heir apparent at your own position. I could see, or, or even Justin Reed, you know, the Chiefs, he might have uh, had reason to take offense at the Chiefs not deciding he should be the guy. Fair, to yeah. take Tyron Matthews' role in the defense. So I, I guess I can see how he might feel undervalued by the Chiefs. I get that. But, you know, this is the reality of playing in the NFL. Teams are going to do what they need to do to, to cover their butts. And um, uh, and I think that's what all of those moves were. And if Thornhill wants to be, you know, pissed off about it, it's that's okay. I get it. But uh, it's a business, and business moves on. Yeah, I I'm looking right now at at the the contract for for Thornhill and it's a 3-year 21 million dollar um um contract and look it 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 was really creatively made the cap hit is not so bad but the fact is that you can just save money when players are on rookie deals mm-hmm. and Brian Cook yeah. is a player at the end of the year that was really coming into his own and you know we'll see if if he can um, you know, grab the bull by the horns, grab this opportunity, and and I, I think the Chiefs are buying into that. We'll we'll talk about a a role player safety that they they signed to help fill that void in, in just a second here. Last going, we need to talk about John is running back Ronald Jones, who left for the Dallas Cowboys. I wrote this up yesterday. My feeling here is that Ronald Jones was originally signed by the Chiefs to be a contributor, but they just ended up getting Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon later, and that made Ronald Jones a contingency plan where maybe he was supposed to be a contributor. And the positive for Dallas is I think he showed some juice in that Week 17 game. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah. man, mm-hmm. Ronald Jones, he can still play a little bit. He's only 25 years old. He's a former 1,000-yard rusher for Tampa Bay. And he leaves Kansas City having touched the football in the regular season 18 times. So he's got fresh legs. Like, <laughs> would you really be stunned if in that offense with Tony Pollard and now Ronald Jones is probably going to be that change of pace guy with Ezekiel Elliott gone that he puts up numbers and Chiefs fans? You know, it reminds me a little bit of what I, I think we may see is that preseason trade where the Chiefs flipped Carlos Hyde. And he went on to Houston for to be a thousand yard mm-hmm. rusher. Now, I don't think yep. Ronald Jones is going to be an a thousand yard rusher, especially, right, right. especially with Tony Pollard. But like six hundred rushing yards wouldn't surprise me next year for Ronald. Right, Jones. and and of course the Chiefs are very likely to keep 
Clyde Edwards Alaire as the backup to Pacheco. So that's going to be a, a storyline that people are going to monitor this season is how much Jones gets in Dallas versus how much Edwards Alaire gets in Kansas City and then, you know, rate the the transaction that way. But I think the Chiefs would rather keep Edwards Alaire and uh, as a as a backup who's been in the system for a while, uh, assuming that they don't get some running back that they like in the draft. Um, but I, I was it's interesting because this was a this was an example of the Chiefs covering their butts going into the draft last year by bringing in Ronald Jones. So they had a guy that could that could serve uh, in case they didn't get the player they wanted in the draft. And I think they wanted Pacheco in the draft, just didn't know if they could get him there in the seventh round. So they did, and Jones ended up being a guy who was, as you called it, a contingency plan. But more often than not, these players don't even make the final 53. I was amused yesterday when I read that Lonnie Johnson Jr. was being signed elsewhere when I was working yeah. on our free agency tracker. And I thought, wait a minute. He was with the Chiefs last year, and he was. Yeah. He was signed yeah. as a as a as a, a roster filling guy, so the Chiefs would be able to go best player available in the draft. And he didn't make the final fifty three, and and now he's you know signed a contract to be a player somewhere else. So it, it was kind of an unusual situation that Jones actually made the fifty three because normally they don't, and when, when the Chiefs make a move like that. He was not on my projection to make the final 53. I watched him that final day of training camp, and it was really with the third and fourth team. Mm -hmm. we, yeah. There were moments when you were like, and you're like, there's no way Ronald Jones makes this team. They're not going to want to keep <laughs> He requested his release in October. The Chiefs didn't grant it, and they wanted him just in case you know they were injured at that position. And, and he kind of got stuck for a year, but maybe this will be good for him. A, rested legs for a year as a running back is not – a bad thing especially when you're still only 25 years old so i just wonder if there is a resurgence in store for a uh, good old ron um who was with the chiefs and, and got his ring but probably didn't enjoy most of his time here and i i can't necessarily blame him for that all right sure. so we have gone through john the goings mm -hmm. orlando brown to the Bengals, Juju smith schuster to the new england patriots juan thornhill to the cleveland browns Ronald Jones goes to the Dallas Cowboys. Now we're going to get into the Cummings since we last chatted with you guys. And we'll start with Drew Tranquil, linebacker now for the L.A. Chargers. Uh, we had joked, John, that we were looking forward to St. Patrick's Day, mainly me. And what happened on St. Patrick's <laughs> Day as I was trying to enjoy some time with my friends was 14 moves on, on St. Patrick's Day. And Drew Tranquil was one of them. <laughs> And he comes in. He's a 27-year-old linebacker. He actually led the Los Angeles Chargers in tackles last year, right? Mm -hmm. I, I know that tackles yeah. aren't everything. We learned that as people complained uh, here and there about Nick Bolton last year, about the value of him as he's just this tackle machine that finished, finishes second in the NFL. But he had 146 tackles, 95 solo tackles last year for L.A., I do like when you dip into the, the, your, the division waters there's a little bit of a swing factor there. You do have to play this this team twice a year. <clears throat> we had Nate Christensen, one of our good film analysts, review Tranquil, and I'll, I'll read his synopsis here. These are Nate's words. If I had to guess Tranquil's role in the Chiefs, I would suggest he takes linebacker Darius Harris's role, which means a one, two, a one or two series a game behind linebacker Willie Gay Jr., while also handling dime linebacker responsibilities. Gay 
is a better player than Tranquil, but the Chiefs haven't been willing to task him with 100% of the snap workload. They like to rotate another linebacker in for a few series here and there. Unlike Harris, Tranquil can provide some of the coverage ability and range Gay delivers, so the drop-off in play should be more slim than it was with Harris. As a dime linebacker, Tranquil can be fun. He's by far the best coverage linebacker the Chiefs have had in the Steve Spagnuolo era, and Nate goes on to say that he'd argue He's the best blitzer at linebacker that the Chiefs have had. If he can pick up the play, but quickly, Tranquil can make an impact as the dime linebacker that the Chiefs haven't had throughout the tenure of Spagnolo as a defensive coordinator. So this wow, is clearly nice. a, a value signing for Kansas City. And I know this was a storyline midseason, John, about the Chiefs and why they continued to play Harris over Gay. And there had to be a very clear reason about that you don't know maybe if it was some of the assignment problems maybe gay wasn't retaining something that steve spagnolo wanted him to retain and and maybe wasn't as fast as he wanted they really liked darius harris when willie gay jr was out for the suspension but he did seem to be at times a little bit of a liability in coverage so when you talk about being a good coverage linebacker and being a good blitzer of course steve spagnolo is going to be interested and you get this guy 27 years old and you you take him from one division team and you put him on another you know, we always like to talk about complementary players at running back and at wide receiver. You know, you've got a guy who can be the third down guy or can be the the receiver or the pass protector uh, or, you know, wideouts that have uh, that can be really good on the field together. Uh, like Travis Kelsey is a good complement with uh, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, as we heard last year. Well, the same thing applies here. You want to have linebackers that you can use in different kinds of situations uh, because, because that's the way the chief's defense operates with all these sub packages that they dream up and they put the guys out there in specific situations where they, they think they'll, they'll work the best. So I, I totally get why the chiefs would want to have a linebacker just like drew tranquil. So I think this is an excellent signing by the chiefs. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. How do you feel about the Mike Edwards move? He's he's a safety again. It, it's a position that we all knew they needed to add to. I think no one was was kidding themselves. They needed another safety that could actually play. You know, they, they use three safeties quite a bit. Um, you know, not as much as they used to maybe before they, they got the cornerback group they have now. But 
you know, what do you feel about how it, I guess, impacts maybe Justin Reed, Brian Cook? You know, does, do you think he plays over Brian Cook? Uh, what do you think about Mike Edwards? Yeah, you know, I, I haven't watched a ton of Mike Edwards, but I, I think it's pretty clear that it's a one-to-one Juan Thornhill, uh, a one-to-one replacement, if you will. <laughs> nice. Uh, that, uh, you know, Thornhill <laughs> leaves, he gets a nice contract, uh, at least on the surface, <laughs> with Cleveland. And, uh, you know, they – he was somebody who had a lot of promise, but maybe didn't uh, didn't pan out exactly how they had hoped. Still a good player, still fit, fit an important role. I do think that they're they're excited about Brian Cook, and I think he's somebody that that's penciled in as a starter at this point. And I think Edwards is that third safety that can play a little bit of that. You know, I don't know. If you want to call it a robber role? You want to call it whatever? He's a guy that, that's out there forcing turnovers. And again. What's the thing that we said that was the weakness of this defense in the secondary last year? They finally had corners that can cover, uh, but they weren't turning the ball over enough. And, and so you, what do you do? You bring in the guy that has the most pick sixes in the NFL over the last three years. So oh, nice. it, it works out. Uh, it, it works out, again, I think, as at least theoretically an upgrade and, and a really good fit in that third safety role. Nice stat pull. I did not. I did not know that one. Um, but it makes sense. He he's around the ball quite a bit, and he actually does model his game. He's modeled his game his entire life after Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, and 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 honestly, when you when you watch him, it's it's it is kind of he has that you know quick reaction to get downhill. You know, he kind of you know he flies to the run game even though he's small. Um, I yeah. I that's the thing though is is I kind of I've kind of thought about this in terms of how it impacts Justin Reed. When you think about how the defense was was formed last year, Juan Thornhill was the primary deep safety when the when the two safeties rotated one down, one up. But Justin Reed was kind of always a free safety in his career before he came to Kansas City. I think his bigger size, maybe they wanted him more as a as a, and I think he played well as a stri- strong safety as a, as the season went on. But could this maybe maybe they kind of want him to go back to that role because I feel like Brian Cook and and Mike Edwards are both more strong safety types. I could be wrong, though. Edwards is playing a lot of free safety for Tampa Bay. I just think that was out of necessity. I think he is more of a – you know, I mentioned he's like Tyron Matthew. I mean, Tyron Matthew wasn't a free safety. Um, so I, I do think it's kind of interesting in that in that way because, you know, I, I think Justin Reed, you know, he was pretty good on tight ends last year. He was good at coming up into the box towards the end of the year. I think I had some concerns with him as the season was kind of first going. Um, but towards the end, he definitely stepped up as, as a guy um, filling in, yeah, com- coming down and stuff. So I don't yeah. know any thought. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, just I think the goal is for them all to be able to play all the positions, right? The, the goal yeah. of this defense is to be unpredictable and multiple and all of that stuff. And I think, you know, this gives them options. We don't – I don't think by yeah. any means do we have to slot any one of them as a free safety, strong safety, you know, left side cornerback, right side cornerback. They're just going to be able to to mix and match. And, and you know, I, I really hope that they extend LeJarrius Sneed uh, and then you end up with this kind of – uh, conglomerate of a defense that can do a lot of different things and 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 force a lot of turnovers and make some big plays. I think that's a, uh, that's a very good thing. Yeah, no, you mentioned turnovers. Yeah, I mean, the safety position was was definitely not doing that as much as it could last year, uh, we're, as much as we're used to, right, with Tyron Matthew, um, you know, for a few years. So definitely good to have maybe a Tyron Matthew light in the mix sure. for Mike Edwards. All right. Well, but, you know, those are the two external signings, right? You know, some 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 fun names, but the re-signings are, are maybe not as, as fun of re-signings. They're just kind of, you know, maybe a little stale in terms of bringing Derek Naughty and Nick Allegretti back. First of all, I will say, you know, they needed depth into your offensive line. Um, definitely Nick Allegretti makes sense. So I'm glad they were able to work something out there. Um, 
Derek Nadia, on the other hand, I was definitely expecting him to just not be back. Honestly, I, 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 yeah. I really honestly thought he didn't play well enough last year to, to earn, even if it was the deal he got, which is one year, very minimal kind of contract. I just kind of figured, all right, you can find that somewhere else. You can try someone else at that spot, but he's back. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about Derek Naughty being re-signed and what that could possibly mean for the defense or what it should mean maybe for the defense? What do you think? Yeah, he certainly didn't have his best year of his career this last season. He's been a solid player in his chief's tenure. And, and of course he had a, I've made a couple plays down the playoff run where where it That's gave true. you a, a little bit of hope. You know, I, I thought he was going to go elsewhere as well, um, but clearly didn't see a market, you know, came back on, on a cheap one-year contract. And really, there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. I know others have said that. Mm-hmm. There's definitely no such thing as a, as a bad, you know, right. vested salary benefit minimum, you know, veteran minimum contract, uh, you know, Worst case scenario, you at least have a body there to fill out the depth chart so that you don't go into the draft desperate to to draft a, a nose tackle. And you can say, if we had to line up tomorrow and play a game and your nose tackles were uh, Derek Nadi and Danny Shelton, you're, all right, they could they could play a game tomorrow if they had to, right? Like, without signing Derek Nadi, I don't know that you could say that. So yeah, you've at least got that floor. You've at least got somebody in that spot. And I, I do hope that they seek to upgrade that throughout the draft. Um, but at least for now, having him there is, is fine. Nick Allegretti, I think, is another guy we thought would get paid uh, elsewhere. He, yeah. he could be a starter somewhere. But uh, very happy, uh, happily surprised to see him back. I think that really rounds out your interior offensive line group. There's really no room to draft another guy there unless they give up on, on last year's uh, draft pick in Darren Kennard. So I think you got to say that the interior offensive line is as set as any position on this team uh, with Allegretti coming back. Well, you talk about, you know, getting that nose tackle. So you're kind of short up before the draft. You don't necessarily need one. Do you, and I think I know the answer to this, but how do, do you know that, do you have that feeling about the receiver room? And, and that's where we can kind of talk about the receivers because that's the one position right now where it's like we're just kind of all sitting around waiting for them to, to make some sort of move, some sort of addition. You know, there's so many names being floated out there, and we're kind of down to only a few of them now because it's been a long process where, where people are getting picked off. So, I don't know. Do you feel – what do you feel about, first of all, we, the two names that are left, right, are Odell Beckham Jr., obviously, and DeAndre Hopkins, um, you know, in a trade. With the depth chart as, as it is right now, which is Kadarius Tony, Marquez Valdez Scantling, Sky Moore, and then a combination of something called a Ty Freifogel, uh, Justin Ross, John Ross, Amir Smith Marset, and Cornell Powell. Maybe you're just making stuff up now. That's there's not a there's not really somebody named Freifogel. You caught me. You caught me. That was a made up name. Uh, no, it actually wasn't. That is a real person, everybody. Um, so with that, all that with all that said, I mean. Do you feel like it, it needs to be done a receiver before the draft, or what do you think about the receiver position? No, I, I think Brett Veach has been pretty consistent since Patrick Mahomes was drafted and saying that they're going to be relentless about bringing in weapons for Mahomes. And there's a lot of reports flying around, a lot of them conflicting. I, I question the motive behind some of these reports. You know, the sure. the the big report that came out that said the chiefs were happy with their receiver group and they were going to bring back Juju and, and uh, uh, run it back with the same receivers, maybe even McCall, uh, you know, clearly there wasn't a lot of interest in doing that as both of those guys signed contracts that the chiefs could have easily matched 
uh, or beat if they wanted to. Tells me something else is cooking. I, I do think I think the interest in in both New Hopkins and uh, Odell Beckham. I think the interest is legitimate in both of them. I, I'm sure that there's a price where they've said we're not going to cross this line, whatever that line may be. And I do think that a lot of the media reports, even today as we record on Thursday, a lot of those reports coming out saying, oh, the Jets are the front runners, the, the Bills are the front runners. That's the one that really gets me. It <laughs> makes me really feel like it's a, it's a leverage play or a smokescreen when you go and, and put the Chiefs main contender or one of the Chiefs main contenders out there and say that they're interested uh, or that they're the front runners for this player really makes me feel like somebody agent otherwise is out there trying to, trying to drum up a market, trying to leverage one team against another, uh, trying to you know get somebody to budge off their deal. When Odell Beckham tweeted out, I don't know where everybody got this $20 million deal, but right. it's gotta be more than four. I would, I would almost bet money that the chiefs were the four uh, that, that he's talking about and that yeah. they they probably had some incentive laden deal to say hey you know it's four but it can be worth up to whatever 10 you know if if uh if he hits certain certain marks and he, and he didn't take kindly to that so i think there's been conversations i think there's interest there i think they will add to the receiver room before the draft and they will also draft a receiver uh, i think they're just this room is going to be dramatically different uh come training camp than it is right now all right well it's it's debate time then let's debate here because i know you are going to oppose me here but if we if you had to pick one or the other for them to bring in and be a part of the chiefs receiving core lead you know obviously be the number one um you know uh, immediately you know for me i would say odell beckham jr would be my preferred target um you know i think both of them are a similar age so i don't think you can necessarily give one or you know one or the other that like oh he's too old or whatever so with me, the injury thing is obviously a thing, but I just feel like his ability to create separation is a little better than DeAndre Hopkins. His ability to, you know, he can he can be your X receiver on the line, you know, kind of, you know, beat press coverage, but he can also be your slot receiver, you know, win on kind of quicker stuff. He can be a, a deep threat, although, you know, hey, you can argue that his, his, his you know, his speed's probably diminished by now. I just think DeAndre is a little, you know, especially at, at, at you know, where he's at, um, you know, in, in his career, um, they're both at the same points, but I just think, again, Odell's just a little more versatile in what he can do. So what do you think? Do you disagree with me? So the, the upside to Odell is that he's a free agent, so you don't have to, to spend a draft pick to get him or, or trade other assets. And all other things equal, he's probably going to be cheaper than, than Hopkins would be uh, in, in the grand yeah. scheme of things. Beckham had a case to be one of the best receivers in the league a couple of years back. And, and he's been, you know, off the field, you miss all, miss all of last year. Right. And, and has a, or has the torn ACL last year. Uh, and so he's a player that you don't, I don't think you really know what you're going to get with him. I don't know how many games I'm going to get out of right. him. I don't know what you're getting personality wise with him. I, you know, he's a different cat. I don't know. I don't know what that means for the, uh, for his ability to to stay on the field, his ability to you know kind of mesh with the team, I, I'm I'm sure he's fine as a teammate. Uh, I think he just has a big a big interesting personality, uh, but I, I just don't know that I don't know that he's a multi year guy. I think the Chiefs probably see him as a one year rental, and he probably sees himself as 
uh, a top receiver who's just been out of the game for a little bit and is ready to, to sign a next big deal. Uh, so that may be part of the impasse, I, I, I would wonder. But I like the idea of signing a street free agent as opposed to trading for somebody uh, mm-hmm. all else equal. But I do think Hopkins brings a different element to this game and a receiver. I mean, Beckham can, can do a little bit of this too, but uh, a guy that can absolutely go up and get it. Uh, oh, yeah. And in a way that the chiefs have not in my memory had a, a player like that, like, you know, Tyree Hill for his size could go, could do, could, could make, make plays on a jump ball here and there, but mm-hmm. he also failed on a handful of those. Uh, I feel like Hopkins gives you a different element uh, down the field in contested catches, that sort of thing that, that takes the Juju Smith Schuster role and takes it to the next level. And, and I think he's a more of a reliable player, although, I know the last two years he's missed substantial time uh, as well. But, you know, if you're comfortable with his where he is medically and, and where he is, you know, physically, I think he has the potential to be back amongst the, the, the league elites before uh, Odell Beckham could. Yeah, hey, that's the thing. I mean, you're not going to go wrong with taking a swing on either of them. They're both great receivers. Um, the thing is, if 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 you do want to believe the reports that uh, that have come out today, it sounds like actually, you know, Aaron Wilson straight up tweeted that uh, the Chiefs were never uh, truly uh, in on the on DeAndre Hopkins. But you know, again, we've we've seen a lot. We've seen a lot of different reports conflicting. Obviously, Odell Beckham. It sounds like you know the Jets are kind of closing on a deal with him potentially again. You know, we've we've heard some things like that before so if we live in a world where neither of them become <laughs> chiefs in a sad kind of you know um, not as fun world are there any names out there that that, that would that would interest you I, I you know besides re-signing justin watson we haven't talked about that yet but uh, i i do think i mean that's, I think that's kind of an easy move right i think it's an <laughs> easy move so i don't know is there anyone else out there that that just maybe piques your interest just a little bit yeah i mean i think i think you, you could say you're your heart wants Odell Beckham. Your heart wants Nuke. Your head may say that there's others that are more logical and more realistic. Those are the two guys that you know that would be, like you said, exciting options. I, I think a realistic option, somebody who who really does fit the mo for the Chiefs and free agency, would be D, DJ Chart. Yes. Uh, he's a younger player. He's had good production. He's played with some bad teams and bad quarterbacks, but, uh, but the, the upsides there, he's also had health issues. Uh, you know, I think you've got to check medicals there, but you know, he's somebody that is at a point in his career where you could sign him to a multi-year deal and feel like you've got, uh, he's got good years ahead of him. He's 26 years old. He's been in the league five years now. Uh, you know, there's, there's a decent chance that he's got another thousand yard, you know, a thousand yard season in him or two, or three, you know, if, if he's in the right system and he stays healthy. So that's somebody that I could see. That's the only remaining name other than those top two guys that I could see a significant investment in. Everybody else is just is just a, a prayer at this point. Right? <laughs> it's, it's a, you know, Kenny Galladay and a, a Marvin Jones. Like, can you get something <laughs> out of those guys? Maybe. But, you know, if, if you want somebody who's actually going to elevate the room, uh, it's it's Odell, Nuke, and, and maybe Chark. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. DJ Chark is definitely the most exciting receiver on the market besides the two we talked about. And if you look back at his combine, which I'm looking at right now, 
you know, he ran a four, three, four forty at six, three, um, you know, six, three, 200 pounds, had a 40 inch vertical jump, 129 inch vertical, uh, broad jump, which is an 89th percentile for receivers. That's the kind of guy that Veach probably liked in the draft, you know, and, and probably, you know, obviously, you know, hasn't gotten his chance to get on him yet. Although last year they had a chance to get him. He was a free agent last year. Yeah. Um, he signed very cheap in Detroit, which was which kind of blew a lot of people away. A lot of people thought he would maybe get a, a good deal. So maybe Veach will correct it this time, bring him in, because I do think you're right. I think he's the one guy left that you could argue is is, is a legitimate, you know, upgrade and, and kind of, uh, you know, actually does elevate your room to a point where you feel better about it, a lot better about it going into the draft. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.